Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. bit of a time crunch this morning. Are I was we gonna not? say, you get to hear my morning voice this morning. How does it sound? It's beautiful. It's good. It's a little extra raspy for <laughs> those who like a little bit of extra rasp. I don't, I noticed no difference. Well, that's good, I guess. Do you? I You're do. Like, okay. I do. Um, but that's okay. I literally woke up mm, 40 minutes ago. That's it's cool. fine. <laughs> but we have a new poll for the patrons. We do. It just went up yesterday. The options are... The options for bonus episode number five are two friends who went kayaking and one of them flipped over and the other one has to pretty much decide if he wants to like stay with his friend who's stranded in the ocean or leave to go get help. Fun. Wow. Uh, The fast food killer, the survivors of the fast food killer, didn't even know that was a thing. Is it just the corporation McDonald's? Yeah, it's just <laughs> Ronald McDonald with the knife in the No, kitchen. no, they're just, it's just normal operation. They're just feeding people burgers. Oh, God. <laughs> It'll kill you eventually. <laughs> and Aloha Airlines Flight 243, which was, it, it had extensive damage after an explosion, and then they needed to land it, and they did that. So, they did that, okay. To That's make good a very long story short, they did that. Well, I'd say an explosion midair would be extensive. No? So far, from what I'm seeing, swept away is winning. And by swept away, I mean the first one, the kayaking. So yeah. we'll see. Okay. I'm thinking about the kayak one. You have to decide whether to stay or like go and leave to get help. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was like, you know, you had to stay and possibly both of you would go or you had to like leave and save yourself. Oh, yeah. I, I mean... Like, Oh, God. And look at your friend. Like, how good of friends are you? Oh, God. That's very dark. Good God, morning. Like, Let's they, get dark. I know. But, I mean, this is what the podcast is. No? I guess it is. But, um, yeah, like, oh, well, you flaked on me last week. Yeah. If you want to know you? <laughs> what we end up doing or what story we end up telling and you want to let us know which one you would prefer to hear, check out our Patreon. You know the drill. You we can love vote. It. We love it over there. Anyway, you want to just jump into this week's Let's episode? Baby. <laughs> I don't know. I'm in a weird mood. It's been 40 minutes. I've only been awake for 40 minutes. I want to reiterate that. Okay. (laughs) We got another Pet Heroes stories coming at you. Love it. Very exciting. Lots to talk about. All right. So story number one. We're going to take it to West Gimlet Farms in central Alberta because we love Canada. I feel like there's quite a few Canadian stories in this. So Canada. Beep beep. I love Canada. Gimlet though? Gimlet. That's a fun name. Isn't that a drink? It sure is. Wow. I made plenty of them last night. Oh, yeah? I did. Um, All right. So Barbara Kingscote is our main character here. And this was in 1949. So we're going to get a little bit, not ancient. That's mean. (laughs) I don't know. That's a long time ago. We're going to take it back. We're going to take it back to 1949. Barbara was 19 years old and living with her friends Charlie and Peggy Dobson on their farm which was near Montreal. Dobby and Peggy. Charlie and Peggy Dobson was okay. her last name. <laughs> it's early for me. Yeah, we both just woke uh. up. Okay. Anyway, so while they were living on that farm, she also met Zazie, 
their horse. Oh my god! I knew you'd the like the names name Zazie. on these people. Fantastic! It was 1949. Barbara, Zazie? Peggy, Charlie, and Zazie on a farm, Montreal. <laughs> you must tell the rest of that story in that voice. <laughs> What's that accent? Not transatlantic. I don't know. It's the old timey voice, isn't it? Like, yeah, that's just how everyone talked. Like, it one, was 1949. I think, yeah, and but she pe- was on a farm. <laughs> but I thought people talk like that because, like, a higher voice, like, transmitted over the radio better. And what oh. I bet happened is that, like, one morning radio guy did it, and then everyone did it. You know how, like, morning radio, it's all talking like this. Yeah. You know, like, that was just their In version of it. Yeah, exactly. It's just their version of it. Yeah. I think they just thought it sounded neat. And then everyone uh, was see? like, ah, see? <laughs> okay, so. Continue. Charlie had taught Zazie a ton of amazing things. And while on the farm, Charlie would let Barbara ride Zazie because Zazie is a horse. We know this. Okay. Just wanted to double check. Right. And she actually learned how to ride horses from Zazie. So Barbara is coming from the ground up with her horse experience and she forms a lovely bond with Zazie. She said she wasn't really riding her at first. Zazie was kind of letting Barbara ride her because she was just like a great horse and she was like teaching Barbara how to ride her, which is great. Really? Yeah. That year, Peggy and Charlie fell on hard times and decided it might be time for them to move west. That way they could live with Peggy's parents and save up some money until they could get back on their feet. But the problem was Peggy's parents lived on a farm near Lytton, British Columbia, which was clear across the country. And because the couple had fallen on hard times, they couldn't afford to move their animals with them. One night while discussing their moving plans, Peggy, Charlie, and Barbara all sat down at their kitchen table around candlelight, because it was 1949, and they didn't have electricity in that house. Okay, I mean, there was definitely electricity happening at that time, but they didn't have it. (laughs) I was like, dude, electricity exists. Yeah, they definitely, (laughs) there was definitely electricity flowing around, but they didn't have it in that house. So they sat around a candle. I just thought it was funny. And they told her that they were going to have to put down Zazie since they couldn't take her. And that's where the conversation ended for the night. So Barbara was just devastated. I mean, I'm sure Peggy and Charlie were also devastated, but they didn't really have any other choice. But Barbara, the next day, sat down with Peg and Charlie again and told them that she would ride Zazie all the way to British Columbia. This is like I said, literally clear clear across the country. And for those of you who don't know the geography of Canada and do know the geography of the United States like me, it would be like riding a horse from New York all the way to Washington State or like Vermont, which is even farther east, all the way to Washington. Well, um, she's dedicated. She's got some chutzpah. (laughs) I love this energy from her. She's like, I'm going to, how many miles is that? It's like like 5,000 kilometers. Five. So like 2,000 miles? Yeah, like two, 3,000 miles, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, it's like, I mean... And how old is she? 19. She's just going to ride it. Yeah, <laughs> armed with, I don't know, a backpack and a saddle. She's going to... a lot of hay. Not even a backpack, actually. A lot of hay. Yeah, well, you need no. need horse fuel, right? No hay. Where, where's she going to put the hay? What is the horse going to eat? Uh, what? Grass? I don't know. Do they eat grass? I think. They graze? Oh, they Is that just, just a cow thing? Oh, that's fine. They got fuel on the way. Well, what's she going to eat? I don't know. Just Grass. A girl and a horse? <laughs> I don't know, man. Nice but... hiccup. <laughs> I don't Wait, know. Wait, I'm sorry. Last night I got the hiccups at work, and 
I don't know why having the hiccups as an adult is so embarrassing, (laughs) but I was hiccuping for like an hour making people's drinks and I was just like, stop hiccuping, you idiot. (laughs) Anyway, that's so much not important. What were you saying? Well, I was asking how, how many miles can she cover in one day? I'm thinking like, what, 30? I have no idea. Maybe 60? I can't say that I've ever ridden a horse for any longer than like a ride on a trail, so I don't know. Because, I mean, you can't, I imagine you can't, like... You imagine? <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> I imagine you can't just ride the horse full throttle the whole way there. I mean, they got to walk, right? Pedal to the you, metal. Yeah, you can't just, you can't be doing, like, 200 miles an hour, right? No. So, if oh, she's got to travel, like, 3,000 miles, she'd get, like, 30 miles a day-ish. She's, she's, she's going to take, like, three or four months to get there. Um, yeah. She's got only one horsepower, you know? <laughs> my god um, i was waiting for that too thank you (laughs) all right kids i'll be here all week charlie and peg were nervous with this idea obviously because a lot can go wrong going five thousand kilometers across the country and they knew that she would face some kind of dangers on the road but they didn't know what that was but they also knew she wasn't really going to take no for an answer so they reluctantly decided to let her do it yeah i was like they better give her a piece or something So she packed a few things, someone gave her a saddle and a rifle, and she went off with $100 for her trip. Well, that's a lot of money back then, right? Yeah, which sounds like nothing, but in 1949, that would have been roughly $1,000. Still not a lot of money. Not a ton, but I mean... If they were falling on hard times, that would be a lot of money for them. Well, exactly. That's, yeah. So, But she's got to make that last three, four months. Something like that, yeah. Zazie was part Canadian horse, which is one of the most sturdy and reliable horses. And they're very strong, they're very smart, and they're reliable. So if you had to cross the country on any horse, in case you were trying to figure out which horse you would use, a Canadian horse is of the better options. That's amazing. You sound like you're selling a car. I am. I'm selling a Canadian horse. Who's buying? (laughs) Things were going well for Barbara and Zazie. They even made it two whole months and a thousand kilometers before they hit their first major issue. They had run out of water and come up on a place where there was very little surface water to drink. They were just in the dust bowl, if you will. Mm. They would sleep on the side of the road in the poplar plants without water. The next morning, they had gotten up very early to start their ride, and off in the distance, Barbara had spotted a lake. So she directed Zazie toward it so they could both go get water that they desperately needed. But as she directed Zazie closer, Zazie stopped dead in her tracks and wouldn't move forward anymore, which is not a good sign. Usually if an animal is like, ah, nope. Yeah, then you should, up. Yeah, you should be like, what? Okay, let's go the other way. But they needed water. Barbara didn't understand why she wouldn't move. So she decided if Zazie doesn't want to go drink, then so be it. But she wanted to go down there and get some water because she's much smaller than Zazie and needs water, you know? So she hops off Zazie's back and starts walking for it. She took a few steps forward, holding onto Zazie's reins, but the next step she took, her foot sunk into the thick mud and she couldn't pull it out. That's when she realized why Zazie wasn't moving forward. It was because she had just walked directly into quicksand no. and was sinking literal worst nightmare can you believe she's like yeah i just walked into quicksand it was sinking me in i was like what what are you talking about that's fake that's not a real thing in canada i thought they didn't have this type of stuff 
uh, uh, I'm just, uh, <laughs> that's my yeah, informed yeah. information. Uh, uh. <laughs> I'm just telling the story. But yeah, so she fully went into quicksand and was sinking and she knew she needed to get out of it. But there was practically a vacuum underneath the mud that was pulling her down. Okay. <laughs> she was almost waist deep in the quicksand within only a matter of minutes. And she held tight onto the reins as Zazie pulled back in an attempt to get her out. And Zazie kind of like reared back and went up on her two back legs and managed to pull Barbara out of the mud and got them to safety. And she knew because of this quicksand, she couldn't go forward to the lake after that. So she just had to ride back out to the trail or from the trail that they were on and go backwards and find a new way. So isn't that fun? Wow. She literally said as she was riding away from the quicksand, she was like, I was so embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so funny because you're like worrying about the judgment from a horse. But clearly Zazie's very smart. So like... Could you imagine like like right after Zazie pulls her out, he just goes... (laughs) That kind of gives her the long stare. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to tell you. (laughs) Right. They continued their journey into Manitoba and then Saskatchewan. And they reached another stretch of trail where there wasn't any water for days. It was a really hot day and Barbara was in desperate need of water. She saw a road that led up to a farm and headed in that direction, hoping someone would be home and she could get some water from them. But when she made it up to the farm, she saw a pump from a well and swung down off of Zazie and ran over to the pump. But when she, you know, went to use it, the well was dry. So... She walked over to the house on this farm and banged on the door, but sadly, nobody was home. Barbara stumbled to a nearby tree where she just laid down in the shade and she figured she would just lay there and rest until she could get up and do something again, which is not a good plan, but she was 19 and didn't know what the hell was going on. Both Zazie and Barbara were suffering from dehydration. But Barbara was much smaller than Zazie, so for her, the situation was much more dire. I mean, horses definitely need a lot of water. On a normal day, a horse can drink around 30 to 40 liters of water, but with heat and strenuous exercise, that can triple. So Zazie was also in need of water, but she would probably die after Barbara because of dehydration. And dehydration in horses is similar to that in humans. They get lightheaded and dizzy, they're not as alert, and they can stumble, which makes it dangerous for the rider. So hours went by, and Barbara hadn't moved from her spot in the shade. She was barely conscious when Zazie began nudging her to encourage her to get up. Even with that, Barbara still laid there, but Zazie was very determined to get her up. Zazie and Barbara at that point had formed an extremely strong bond, and Zazie could sense that something was wrong, so when Barbara wasn't responding the way she normally would, she just kept nudging her and nudging her and nudging her until finally Barbara grabbed onto Zazie's leg and then her harness and somehow pulled herself up onto the saddle again. Once Barbara was on Zazie, she took Barbara, meaning Zazie took Barbara, back down the path and onto the road again. And they went on like that, with pretty much Zazie leading the way and Barbara slumped over on her back for what felt like an eternity until finally Zazie brought them to a place where there was a small store. And there was a man in that store who gave Barbara and Zazie both water that they so desperately needed. Shout him out. Yeah. Did he just give it to him for free? Of course. He sees this horse and this young girl and it's 1949. 
Each week, I speak to inspirational people. Each one of them has been on their own remarkable journey. They've all chosen to share their stories with one aim, that if people can relate and get comfort from it, if it can help someone. As one of my guests said, there's so much going on in the world. We should be focusing on helping one another and making each other better. Each one is a superhero, not because they have special powers, it's because in spite of what they've gone through, they keep on going. I find them remarkable. Please listen to Chataholic and hear their stories. Is this like a regular occurrence though? I feel like if this, if I was the store owner, I'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're the fourth young girl on a horse coming by this week. <laughs> I'd say this is a crazy situation. <laughs> uh, so on their last leg of their journey, Zazie was now having an issue. Her saddle had worn down so much and she was now chafing to the point that was causing her an unbearable amount of pain. So for the very last time, Barbara took off Zazie's saddle and walked alongside her with the saddle in her arms to to finish out their 5,000-kilometer journey. How far in were they at this point? I actually don't know exactly how much more they had of their trip, but she walked with the saddle next to Zazie for, like, the last bit of it. Last bit, like, half? No, definitely not half. Okay. At most a quarter, but I doubt it. Like, I really doubt it. Still, like, hundreds of miles. Well, right. I I don't think that's what happened. I think it was, like, the last bit of the journey. But anyway, that journey with Zazie went on to define the rest of Barbara's life, and she dedicated her life to animals and became a veterinarian, which would have been very difficult, considering she was a woman in the 1950s. But she did that. Love that for Barbara. That's amazing. Yeah. And at the age of 76, Barbara published a book about her journey with Zazie titled Ride the Rising Wind, One Woman's Journey Across Canada. And she made a shit ton of money. I hope. I hope so. Yeah. I hope she got enough to buy like a ranch, got her own farm. Yeah. I mean, she spends her life and her days like with animals and whatever. So she's doing that, you know, or did that. I don't know. Anyway, that's, I don't want to get dark. Does she have a Facebook profile? <laughs> Do we have an Instagram? Barbara. Could you imagine? Zazie has her own profile. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> How let's, long do horses live? Let's keep let's it light. Let's be real. Let's keep it light. I mean, this is a great story. I mean, Isn't I can't. It? Can you imagine like being so attached to an animal like that? You're willing to ride 5,000 kilometers across Seriously. the country with almost no money and like just no water. Like you just, I'll figure it out. Very, that is my attitude, but that I, is you know you I, love I, I that. can't I can't see myself making that decision. Right. It, she is obviously very brave, but I feel like it also took a, some level of like delusion. Not yeah, delusion, but also like nineteen-year-old stupidity. Yeah. You know that's great for her though. I'm so happy yeah. she made it out from that quicksand and I got mean, the water she so desperately needed. And... She pretty much went on walkabout. No. On walkabout. Like, she just went away for three months, four months, just by herself in the woods. Yeah. So that was Barbara and Zazie's story. Isn't that fun? Yeah, no, it's really fun. And, like, she went on to be a veterinarian in the 50s as a whammon. It's incredible. It's a great story. And just so did she end up living in that part of Canada? She just never left? I guess so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, I was going to say, that kind of reminds me of my grandma. I don't think it's the same, but she grew up in a similar time, and she became a chemist. Mm. And she was like... I was the only girl in all of my classes. I don't think I knew that your grandma was a chemist. Yeah. She used to work for the FDA. Wow. Do you know that? No. 
She's a boss ass bitch. She really is. Yeah. She's and, so cool. Yeah. I love that. So she she was like, yeah, I was the only girl. And um, you either kind of had to go like be a secretary or mm. like one other option. Right. Like, that was I like don't what know, people home ec or something. Right, exactly. And she was like, yeah, I like chemistry. That's amazing. So, and then she went to work for the hardware. And now she knows like anything and everything about gardening. Yeah. And regularly wins like gardening and wears competitions. I didn't even know this was bows. a thing. She wears but... amazing bows all the time. Yeah. <laughs> She does. And I love that. She's got the bows on lock. True. Uh, I would love to hear her say that. The bows on lock? I have the bows on lock, Alex. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> okay. Continue. Anyway, What's our next story? Story number two. We're going to go to the Brookfield Zoo now in Illinois. It was August 19th, 1996, and a three-year-old boy whose name was never released slipped away from his mother and climbed through the barrier and plummeted nearly 20 feet into the Western Lowland Gorilla Exposure. Oh, no. Yeah. Is this like a 96 Harambe incident? This is before Harambe, but it is a similar experience that had a better outcome than Harambe. Okay. Yeah. So as this little boy climbed through the railings and then fell into the Gorilla Exposure enclosure, not exposure, Stunned spectators and employees watched in horror as they saw this toddler surrounded by seven gorillas. Employees anticipated the absolute worst because giant gorillas can maim or even kill full-grown men, so you can only imagine the damage they're capable of inflicting on a toddler. But thankfully, that day turned out very differently. So after the little boy fell in, Binti Joa, a seven-year-old female gorilla with a baby on her back, who was a 17-month-old baby, picked up the child's limp body and cradled him for sev- for several minutes because he kind of, like, passed out. She then carried him carefully over to the door of the exhibit so rescue workers could retrieve him. No way. Yeah. Zoo employees... So, sorry, what? So she just, like, cradled him for yeah. minutes? Yeah. Oh, my God. She was just, like, holding how, him. I actually bizarre. have a picture. Really? Yeah. Okay. That'll be good for the Instagram. Right. But then just literally walked over to the gate and handed him over? Just put him by the door because at that point the employees weren't in the Gorillix enclosure because they didn't want to like agitate the situation. Right. Um, but yeah, she cradled him and then carried him over to the door and like put him by the door. Wow. Yeah. Zoo employees used a hose to scare the other gorillas away and Binti Joa laid the boy down near the exhibit entrance and just ran off. And one of the workers said that he thought it was a conscious decision on her part. At first, it appeared the boy had been knocked unconscious by the fall, witnesses told the zoo officials, but he was alert and crying when paramedics had reached him. Jeff Bruno, who was the Kankakee Fire Department captain, at the time said, we assessed the boy and we packaged him up. I think we used duct tape because that's all was there. So I guess, huh? I guess he had like a cut on his well, knee. We had to and ship like, him? Put some duct tape on it. Spit oh. on it. It's fine. Rubbing some dirt in it. Oh, this they is mean Illinois. Like, but... They're not in the South. <laughs> I always revert to a Southern accent for whatever reason. Know. It's the most distinct American accent. Exactly. No? Like, yeah. But they packaged him up like. Like it's UPS. What do we? <laughs> they put him in a box you and mean they, they shipped you him. You bandaged home. him up, right? Yeah. So I think I think he probably had a cut, and they put duct tape on it because they didn't have a bandage for whatever reason. The paramedics didn't have a bandage. <laughs> what is happening? Okay, clearly in Illinois. 
clearly there are holes in the story, but the quote, the quote says, we assessed the boy and we packaged him up. I think we used duct tape because that's all that was there. Okay. I, I'm still like experiencing the story in a 1949 accent. <laughs> we packaged him up. That was bad. So anyway. We assessed the boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Zoo workers who witnessed the rex- rescue said it was something they will never forget. Experts believed Binti may have had a special affinity toward humans since she had been abandoned by her mother and was raised by humans. So she was born in the Columbus Zoo in Ohio in March of 1988, and she was treated with indifference by her mother. So her mother just kind of like didn't care about her, which is really sad. Uh, Yeah. She probably has mommy issues. She does. And humans had to cradle and hand feed Binti with a bottle And as she grew, other female apes groomed and socialized her. So Binti Dwa means daughter of sunlight in Swahili, which is just so cute. And an onlooker actually recorded video of the rescue. And that video was seen around the world, turning Binti Dwa into a beloved hero. The boy in that fall suffered a broken hand and cuts to his face. And he spent four days in the hospital, but recovered fully. So I guess they put duct tape on his face? Question mark. I don't know. This what a gets scene. so weird so as time bizarre. goes on. Yeah. But within a few days, camera crews and reporters from England, Germany, and Australia clamored to film Binti lounging at home. Dozens of people offered money to adopt her, and a Chicago grocer offered 25 pounds of free bananas. Shout him Isn't out. Isn't that so cute? He's like, I got the bananas, dude. I got them on lock. As far as I know, Binti Dwa is still alive and well in the Illinois Zoo. Um, so we love that for Binti. Uh, there was also another incident of a child falling into a gorilla enclosure in 1986. And that time the boy who fell was saved by a silverback gorilla named Jombo, which means hello in Swahili. And on August 31st, 1986, the five-year-old Levin Merritt fell into the gorilla enclosure at the Jersey Zoo and lost consciousness. Jombo stood guard over the boy when he was unconscious, placing himself between the boy and the other gorillas in what ethologists analyze as a protective gesture. He later stoked the unconscious boy's back, and when the boy regained consciousness, started to cry. Because really, <laughs> imagine waking up to a gorilla poking you in the back. Oh, I thought you said the gorilla started crying. Oh, no, the boy. He woke y- up and word. He started... <laughs> oh, word. That makes sense. So, Jombo and the other gorillas were treated in panic, and the silverback led them into a small hut in the corner of their pen meaning like all the other gorillas. A paramedic and two keepers rescued the boy, and most of the incident was recorded on home video and extensively photographed by zoo visitors. The publicity on major news channels and newspapers helped ease public's fears, the public's fears about the potentially violent nature of gorillas. So that kind of helped people be like, oh, gorillas can be nice and cute, but also we know that gorillas can be very violent yeah, and not like, cute. Yeah, I was like, he was literally defending them right. from other gorillas. From the other gorillas, right. But these, this is two situations where it turned out totally fine. So we love that, you know? Yeah. Obviously, the Harambe situation did not, not end good. well. Um, not good. Very sad. But And there have, there have also other been other instances where like children have fallen into gorilla enclosures that have not ended as nicely as this but i mean usually the the gorilla ends up dead which we know but these two times were great <laughs> they were great yeah you know i was going to say there's like these types of situations can kind of end in this like 
weird behavior where you're like, oh, this is like such a human thing. It's yeah. like weird. Right. And I'm thinking of that story we told like Terror on the Zambezi. Uh-huh. You remember that? I when do. the ox defended him like all night, just kind of sat by him. Yeah, that was... I don't know what episode that was, but the guys who they were in the river, the African river. What was it? Yeah, it was the Zambezi, the Zambezi river. river. And they got their boat got turned over by a hippo. And then they had to like worry about crocodiles. And then the guy swam for it. He got attacked and then he got guarded by an ox. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, the ox was like, I will sit here all night and protect you. Yeah. And they were like, they don't do that ever. Literally ever. Yeah. So very cool and yeah glad that this ended well yeah exactly very interesting and jumbo who has since passed on has a bronze statue in the jersey zoo right in front of the gorilla exposure enclosure i don't know why i keep saying exposure uh to tribute the gorillas who helped change public perception about the species so there's a statue of jumbo if you want to go take a look but that's story number two shall we move on let's move on we're gonna go back to canada whistler bc Dennis Breen was fulfilling his lifelong dream of building his home. He had gotten his dog Hubble in 1979, and who was a half Malamute, half Golden Retriever mix. He was 190 pounds fully grown and was basically like a big, fluffy Golden Retriever. Wow, that's a big dog. Yeah. He was very calm around people, but he also had a bit of a wild side. He loved killing skunks and would constantly have to get a tomato bath to get the smell out of his fur. But he was also very protective and he would take off into the woods if he heard something nearby. Because we're like on a mountain, just so you know. Like forest vibes. Forest vibes, like very wilderness. Very wilderness. So we're all on the same page. By the early 80s, Dennis and his wife had bought some land on Brew Mountain so that Dennis could build their house from scratch. He grew up hearing his father telling him that he wouldn't be a real man until he built his own house. So we love toxic masculinity. I will never be a real man. (laughs) Me neither. And I'm okay with that. And that's good. So he decided he would one-up his dad and build his log cabin from scratch and, like, cut down the wood and peel it and everything. So he's like, fuck a Home Depot. I'm going to chop these little babies down. I'm going to shape them. I'm going to peel them. And I'm going to link and log them together. Okay, he's like, bitch, I am Home Depot. (laughs) Call me Lowe's, bitch. (laughs) God, that car drove by at the worst time. Well, hey, what are we going to do? Exactly. So he spent a lot of time up there on that remote part of the mountain, literally building his house. And his original cabin had 88 logs that he drug in that took about four months. Where did he live while he was building it? Outside? Probably. like an igloo. <laughs> yeah, he built himself an igloo where with no ice or snow. Um, he probably had a, I don't know, a shack. A car? A, a car, a hotel, Four. a friend's house, if you will. Okay. Yeah. Four months, man. Yeah. While he was building this house, his wife Valerie would have to take regular work trips to Vancouver. And she would take a train that would literally ran through their property So when she had to leave for work, she would just, like, go over to the train track that was on their property and, like, hop onto the train. That's sweet. Which is pretty cool. They had a track that ran right through, and they would have about eight to ten trains that would go through their property a day. That's not so sweet? Yeah, not so sweet, but, I mean... Do you sleep? It's a really big property, so they probably didn't hear it that... Oh, so they're balling. They're... Yeah. 
Correct. <laughs> For sure. They're mountain balling. Definitely. Mountain balling. That's what they called me in high school. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was really dumb. I don't know. I just, I love that one. I love when people say that. Okay, so anyway. During those weeks that Valerie was gone, it would just be Dennis and Hubble. Stop laughing. <laughs> it was funny. Thank you. It would just be Dennis and Hubble. And at that time, Hubble was only about a year and a half. Every morning, they'd go to the stream and catch fish for breakfast. Very mountain man. What? (laughs) And Hubble would eat the fish raw, and Dennis would pan fry his. So. Wow. They're having a real mountain experience. Dude, Hubble's a real man. Yeah. Man dog. Exactly. When Dennis wasn't building, he and Hubble would spend their time with with the only other people in that area, their neighbors, Ken and Edna Stockdale. They spent a lot of time at the Stockdales. But to get there, it was around 1.3 kilometers of windy mountain trail. And once he hit the train tracks, he would have to walk along the tracks for a while and then down a gravel path until he made it to their porch. So it was quite the journey to the Stockdales. Okay. I don't believe that, though. Why? 1.3 kilometers? Yeah. That's like half a mile. That's less than half a mile. So that's like, what, 10 minutes of walking max? 10, 15 minutes of walking? Down a mountain and then to train tracks and then down a gravel path? Yeah. Are we sure that's only half a mile? I don't think so. 1.3 kilometers. There's 2.54 kilometers in a mile. I always get stuck on the fucking conversions. Um, okay, it's almost a mile. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. So Still not that bad, though. Bro, he had to walk down a really steep mountain through some train tracks i thought and he was a, a real path. man who Shut caught up. his own fish and built his own fight house dennis yeah i don't I'm, think i've had win. enough i've had enough from him okay i've like you're a real man you could build your own house but you can't walk less than a mile to your neighbors okay i've had enough do you want to talk about it are you feeling okay <laughs> what's going on <laughs> what did dennis do to you on literally this day? nothing right anyway can i get back to my story please <laughs> They, once they got to the Stockdale's porch, they would have treats, they would sit, and they would chat, and they'd have a grand old time until they would have to walk back all the way to their house a mile away, okay? By August of 1983, the cabin was almost done. At that point, the roof was on, and Dennis was definitely in the finishing process. So he had to stain all of the logs, but before he could do that, he wanted to strip a portion of the log off of the log. That way he would get like a a nice golden color for the logs and they wouldn't get as dark. So he's just trying to get the optimal log look. Look. Exactly. It's all about the aesthetic right. for him. He wants the and Lincoln he's a real log manly life. Man. <laughs> Lincoln log life. So to accomplish this, Dennis had to use a grinder, and this is a very common tool, but the issue with using it on these gigantic logs was Dennis would have to take off the safety guard and the handle to use it. Great. So he admitted this was a very dangerous way to use the tool, since it would be incredibly easy for it to kick up out of your hands if it jammed, but that obviously was not stopping him. He would wear a catcher's backstop as a face shield because he had experienced this grinder kicking back up at him and hitting him in the chest before. So he's like, I guess I'll wear a face shield, you know? To protect my chest. This makes a lot of sense. Right. And it's powered by 10,000 RPMs. So this thing was... Ripping. Ripping. Exactly. That day, he had used his grinder on a problematic log in the kitchen. Oh, what did 
the logs say? The log was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> it was where the the horizontal log on the ceiling met a vertical support log. So it was just kind of like a weird section to be grinding and he had to be on a ladder. So it was positioned in an odd way, which meant he would have to use the grinder while on a step ladder, which made it so his face was at the same level as the grinder. Do we see what's going on? I think we're seeing a problem. Right. So along with his face shield, Dennis was also wearing his glasses because he can't see without his glasses. <laughs> what? My pussy, glasses. You can't see? I, I'm just thinking of Velma. He can't see without his glasses. Is so, it a turtleneck? <laughs> in the blink of an eye, the grinder jammed and shot back at his face. Hitting we all him, saw this coming, right? right? Hitting him hard and sending him flying backwards off of the ladder. So the impact of the grinder split his face shield in half and broke his glasses in a way that sent a shard of glass into his eye. Oh no. Yeah. The glass was positioned right above his eyeball and it had nicked his optic nerve and was touching his brain. Oh (laughs) no, no thank you. Did you know that eyes are really though Eyes are just an extension of the brain. Your eyes are your brain. So I'm Do you lo- know that? I'm looking at your brain right now? Yeah, literally. They go right into your brain. Ew. That's like why people can react so quickly to things. Like if you see something coming at you, uh-huh. you react way quicker because your eyes map directly onto your spinal cord in your brain. Why do I feel like a superhero for like Isn't that crazy? sight? That's... <laughs> Oh my god! I don't know. This is it makes me feel some type of way. It's glass gross. in the eye. Right. No, thank you. Yeah. So he went unconscious for an unknown amount of time because he was alone and unconscious. Right. <laughs> so, thankfully for Dennis, Hubble heard the noise as well and came to him, and Dennis was woken up by Hubble licking the blood off of his face, seeing and smelling Dennis's blood and seeing the change in Dennis's behavior meant that he knew that something was very wrong and he licked the blood off of his face similarly to how a mother dog will lick its newborn puppies as a way to clean it but also to stimulate their first breath so he was literally trying to like wake him up really isn't that cool that stimulates your breath i guess it's like a way to be like hey puppy breathe oh really that's interesting right So as soon as he was conscious again, he was in excruciating pain in his head, which was the glass, of course, but he had no idea that he had glass in his eye at this point. So he reached for a pressure bandage in his toolkit, but every time he would put pressure, the pain would increase. So he couldn't stop the bleeding because, you know, every time he's pushing on it, it's, he's just pushing the glass further into his face. No, 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 no. I know. He knew he needed to get to the Stockdales because they were the only people nearby to even help him. So, right. And if he didn't get help, he knew that he would die because he couldn't stop bleeding. So he took Hubble by the collar and he was immediately pulled out of the house, almost as if they were on the same page. They had like a mental like, Stockdales? Stockdales, you know? <laughs> so he basically dragged Dennis down this mountain trail with Dennis clinging onto his back and crawling behind him because he couldn't see and was losing a lot of blood. Retrievers are known for loyalty and Malamutes are tough. They're meant to be in the wilderness. So the combination made it so Dennis may have a fighting chance. But this path to the train track wasn't very clear at all. It was only ever used by Dennis and it got considerably steeper as it went on. 
Dennis was fighting to stay conscious and he would pass out as they were going. So on a stretch of the path that was incredibly steep, he passed out and basically fell headfirst into the rocks and wood. Ooh. But Hubble stuck with him. Stuck? <laughs> stuck? Hubble stuck with him. This journey took a lot. Each time he'd pass out, he'd roll further down the mountain. And when he regained consciousness, he kept up the slow crawl with Hubble, holding his tail. And every time he would pass out and wake up, Hubble would just be sitting next to him, waiting to keep going. Finally, Dennis made it to the train tracks and managed to pull up his body onto the tracks, but then immediately passed out as he made it halfway onto the tracks. So his torso is on the tracks and his legs are like not if we want the visual. This is just a classic scene. Yeah, exactly. As he passed out, he literally thought to himself, sure hope a train doesn't come right now, you know? At that point, Dennis was not regaining consciousness. So he had passed out and wasn't waking back up. And once Hubble saw that he wasn't coming to again, he took it upon himself to sprint the rest of the way to the Stockdales. Because, you know, he knew the path very well. Once he made it to their house, they were on their porch as usual, but they thought that he was just there for a regular visit. But he did something he never usually did. He came onto the porch and he put his paw onto Ken and then barked very sharply at his head. His face. I don't know why he said his head. He was barking at him. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this was strange because Hubble didn't bark like ever. Really? Yeah. He would howl sometimes at night, but he didn't bark. So they knew something was off. But that still didn't spark any kind of action. So he started barking and spinning and sitting and barking and just would not stop. So that's when Ken realized something was wrong because, you know, Dennis wasn't with him and he wasn't like close behind. So he got up and was immediately led away by Hubble. So he ran him back down to the train tracks where he saw about 150 yards down the tracks was Dennis bloody and passed out laying over the tracks. So he ran to Dennis and rolled him over and and somehow did a fireman's carry to bring him back to his car. He rushed Dennis to the hospital in the nearby town of Squamish. Oh, my God. Which... Who names these towns? (laughs) Squamish. Are you dead? Yes. But his injuries were so bad, he had to be taken by ambulance to a bigger hospital in Vancouver. He had a large chunk of glass that had been lodged into his eye socket and was pressing down on his eyeball. And the doctor told him that if it had gone any further in, he would have performed a homemade frontal lobotomy. The impact of the grinder had shattered his eyebrow, so they had to make an eyebrow out of Teflon and somehow secure it to his skull. Huh? Doctors, man. I don't know. Dennis obviously owes his life to Hubble, and he knows that he would not have made it out if it wasn't for him, and he gave him stakes as a thank you for a very long time after that. It was a very classic human-animal bond. And so Hubble lived to be about 12, which is around 84 in human years, but he passed away one evening. But he was buried on their property, and Dennis made a monument for him with a large rock and planted a rosebush by his grave. And even though he's gone, he constantly thinks about and is reminded of Hubble because every time he looks at the beam in his kitchen, he's like, that dog saved my life. Yeah, I mean, you owe the completion of your house to it, right? Yeah, and your life. And you also and the, the life. rest of your life, you so, know. you know. Um, so that's that. 
Isn't that fun? Oh, that's amazing that Hubble was that smart to like, I don't know. Yeah. That he actually got them to come and get Dennis. Like, yeah. it's just so amazing. And I don't know, like dragged him halfway there pretty much. Actually, like by his tail and on his back. Yeah. Incredibly smart dog and really cool. I wonder if, I mean, probably not because then I think the Stockdales would have known sooner that there was something wrong. But I was going to say, I wonder if he had like blood on him. You know, because if he was like resting his head on Hubble's back, then I can only imagine right. a, a golden retriever would show up to have a lot of blood right. on their back. He had to have have, right? right? Like he yeah. was licking blood off his face. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he probably just didn't see the blood when he made it there first, you know? Yeah. Anyway. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Buy me a Coke. So shall we finish out with our last story? Let's do it. Hell yeah. So we're going to talk about Norma and Allie Myers. Norma had a bunch of dogs throughout her life, but she had a Springer Spaniel who came into her life in 1998 named Holly. Okay, this is funny because you're saying she came into her life like she met her on some at some bar or something. <laughs> like she very... didn't go adopt her or right. buy her. <laughs> she adopted a Springer Spaniel in 1998 <laughs> named Holly. Is that better? Yeah. Okay, great. Holly was already a senior dog at 13 years old, but that didn't matter to Norma. They took a little while to bond, but once they did, they had an amazing relationship. At the time, Norma's granddaughter, Allie, was only four years old when she met Holly, but they were inseparable pretty much immediately. In the spring of 1999, Allie was living with her grandmother, Norma, while her mother was away planting trees? (laughs) (laughs) That's what they said. I don't know what it means, but she was away planting trees okay she okay? was dedicated trees to the trees uh which we love mama earth thanks anyway <laughs> during this time Allie and holly really spent a lot of time together they would hang out and watch tv together but when they had enough of being inside their favorite thing to do was to go out on walks with norma their house was in a wooded area and they had a lot of wooded trails just a short drive from norma's house along a river and those were their favorite place to explore So on that day, their walk started like any other, although this time they had stopped to get a couple bottles of root beer to enjoy on the trail. So Norma let Holly off the leash and she ran down the trail as she normally did. Allie also went a little bit ahead of Norma because she was looking at things, picking up rocks, just being a generally curious four-year-old. But a little while up the trail, just around a bend, Allie encountered a deer. It was pretty common to see deer on the trail, and usually when they'd spot a person, they'd just run in the other direction, but this deer wasn't reacting that way. It was standing its ground and was coming off in a really aggressive way, and Allie froze dead in her tracks in front of the deer. Although deer tend to flee, they do have a fight or flight response, and if they feel threatened, they can and will fight. (laughs) Can you imagine being threatened by a (laughs) four-year-old? As a deer. You're, okay, imagine this. You're a deer. You're a deer. <laughs> you see a four-year-old. And, and you're like, square up. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Who this... do you know here? <laughs> well, I mean, how is it? It's a female deer or is it like a buck? I think it was a female deer. They didn't say anything about horns or anything. But basically... If you're within a certain distance from a deer, it'll usually flee. Like, if they're far enough away, they'll just be like, peace, and they'll run. But 
if you cross a certain threshold and catch it on a bad day or if it's with a baby, there's a good chance that they'll attack. Really? Yeah. So Norma was quite a distance behind Allie and sees this deer getting ready to attack Allie and watches it as it begins to like charge her. So she screamed for Allie to come toward her, but she was frozen with fear. But Holly, hearing Norma's screams, came jetting out of the woods and straight for the deer. Oh, hell yeah. Holly to the rescue. Holly's gonna fuck this deer up. Yeah. Springer Spaniels were originally bred for hunting, and they're good at fleshing out game and tracking them, and they're really alert, which makes them good at following commands. So when Norma called for help, she didn't hesitate to get in between Allie and the deer. She did not hesitate. I love that. Exactly. But this deer was extremely aggressive and was not letting up. Deers attack using their powerful their powerful legs and their front hooves, which are apparently very sharp since they're cloven, and they'll stiffen their legs, which are incredibly strong, and basically trample what they're attacking very quickly. The fast and intense attacking can definitely break bones, puncture skin, and do a lot of damage. And unfortunately for Holly, she was getting the brunt of it. She was trying her darndest to fight back, but it became clear very quickly that she didn't stand a chance against the steer. Norma had been running toward Allie and Holly this entire time because she was far away and, you know, like an older lady. So she was able to pull Allie away from Holly and the deer, but once Allie was safe, she was extremely worried about Holly and she had Holly's leash in her hand and started trying to hit the deer with it and as it was attacking Holly, but it wasn't doing anything. Like her just trying to whip the leash, like was not stopping this deer attack. And at that point, Holly was on the ground bleeding and the deer was continuing to like trample Holly. So Norma knew she had to keep trying. And that's when she remembered she had the bottle of root beer in her hand. And in complete desperation, she shook the bottle and opened it, thinking maybe if she sprayed the deer, that would scare it. And when she popped the soda open, it made a hiss sound. And that was enough to send the deer running in the other direction. Wow. And it just ran off into the woods. Isn't that ridiculous? It got saved by root beer. By root beer. Root beer saved the day. Wow, that has got to be the weirdest one. Right? We've told. Isn't that ridiculous? But once the deer was gone, Norma's entire focus went to Holly, who was in really bad shape in the grass. They were pretty far down the path from where they had parked, and Norma knew she couldn't carry Holly all the way. But luckily, she saw a truck driving down the path, and she was able to run and flag it down. And she told the man driving the truck her dog had just been attacked by a deer and she needed help. So he loaded them up into his truck and drove them to Norma's car. But Holly wasn't out of the woods yet because Norma kind of lived in the middle of nowhere and her vet was over an hour and a half drive away. So she called the vet and let them know what had happened on the drive. That way, when she got there, they could rush out and help Holly. When they finally made it and got an update from the doctor about what was wrong with Holly, he told them that she had endured the worst beating he had ever seen a dog take. And Holly was going to need surgery. She had a broken leg, torn muscles and ligaments, contusions to her head and her eye, and she had to stay in the vet for two whole weeks before being released. But finally, Holly made it home. Wow, I love that. Two weeks. Yeah. I just, I've never thought about dogs staying overnight in a hospital. Oh, yeah. Obviously it happens. Definitely. But I just, I've never imagined it, you know? Like, do they put them in a bed? Or Uh, I'm just imagining the scene. They put them in, like, a kennel, but, like, it's a comfortable kennel with a bed, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Like, do they have heart monitors and stuff? Probably. I'm just like, maybe. I have so many questions. Well, you it's know? not. <laughs> you like imagine but them it's... in a hospital bed. <laughs> Beep. Yeah, no, that's Beep. what I'm thinking. <laughs> but they're just like, oh. <laughs> Poor thing. I'm so glad that she, the dog, that Holly survived. I know. So but she had to like go through emergency surgery. Yeah. She needed like pretty extensive surgery, which I can only imagine cost a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did they put her under? They give her like doggy anesthesia? Definitely. Yeah. They're not just going to like tear into her. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'll stop. I have too many questions. (laughs) (laughs) So other than her eye, one of her eyes needing further treatment, she made a full recovery. And Holly was deemed dog hero of the year and was awarded for her bravery in the Toronto Dog Hall of Fame, which no. I didn't even know was no, a thing. That's amazing. But they a- have a Dog Hall of Fame. Apparently. Dude, when we go to Toronto, because I've always wanted to go, yeah. we got to hit up the Dog Hall of Fame. Sounds good. We might go there just for content. Say when. <laughs> Say when. <laughs> Say less. Say less. Wow. Yeah. So I loved that fact. I'm like, Holly, you made it, queen. Also, but- it's so weird because it's only for us. <laughs> Did they at least give her, like, some good food or something? I bet they you did. Know, they give her some steaks. I'm sure. She yeah. got a little extra loving after that. Some bananas with peanut butter. Yeah. Oh, love that. Um, she was a senior dog, though, at the time. So, sadly, uh-huh. two years later, Holly did pass away at 16. Yes. That's a good run. Yeah. But that's a really long life for a dog, and she was obviously very loved. And Allie remembers her as a hero. Oh, absolutely. So she did this when she was 14. Yeah. That's an old That's dog. A, yeah, right? So. Well, she was like clearly in like good shape and was, right. you know, still very active because she immediately just like ran off into the woods she and was bounced. having a great time as right. I'm sure Springer Spaniels do in the woods. But yeah, she, she attacked the, well, she didn't attack the deer. She stopped the deer from attacking Allie and then took the beating. Like the boss babe she is. Like she's a boss bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That's just so amazing to me that a a fourteen year old dog could take that much of a beating. Seriously. Like get through it. Yeah. If you guys have any stories of your pets like doing amazing things, please send them in because I love I love these stories. They're so fun. Yeah, even if the story doesn't make it onto the podcast, I would just love the content. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's still a very good chance that it will make it into a listener's episode, but yeah, even if it doesn't, just send it in and I want to read it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to hear about them. Um, but yeah, that's that's that on that. Isn't that fun? It's <laughs> very fun. We love pet stories. Uh, what's your good thing? I could start. Yeah. My good thing is it's almost summer, baby. <laughs> summer almost. And But we... it's not sunny right now. It's Well, not right now, but <laughs> it's... <laughs> almost summer and i think summer should hopefully be very fun you know Mm. i'll leave it at that for now what is your good thing my good thing is that i'm really enjoying the story that i'm researching yes it's um because usually like it's fun to research the story but it's also work because you have to write down oh yeah it's a lot of time it's a lot of time but this new story that i'm going to tell i'm like this is nuts and And that should be next week right should be yeah it has to be right so i don't know i was really into it like this story is crazy yeah um, we love saying so that. It, yeah I, well <laughs> it is it, you know it is. am i wrong no and you'll see um but 
Yeah, I mean, usually I don't enjoy it as much as I did this one. Yeah. So that was good. Well, I'm excited. I don't really know anything about it. I know like one small, Can small tease it? Ta- yeah, yeah, tease it. Yeah, it's the story of Patty Hearst. So it's another Stockholm Syndrome case, but <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts. It's a very prolonged like story. Like it happened over a long period of time too. Okay. So. I'm very excited to hear it. I can't wait. There you go. There's your teaser. It's my good thing. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes, queen. <laughs> oh my god. Goodbye. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to look at the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about, check us out on Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. If you would like some exclusive bonus content, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash nottodaypodcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival or if your pets did a cool thing, send it to us at nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.